The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. What do you need to do to get healthier? To be healthier? Now, as I ask that question, I know you're, you're thinking, I gotta, I gotta eat better, I gotta start exercising, maybe you gotta change some of your habits, some of your routines. Maybe, maybe you're not getting enough sleep. But I, I'm pretty confident that no matter how healthy you are, when I ask the question, what do you need to do to get healthier? There's things you can do to get healthier. And when you're not healthy, when something is off, doesn't it preoccupy your thinking, your mind? Doesn't it just like capture your attention? I mean, if you have a bad hangnail, you can't focus on anything else. You could barely focus on driving, let alone if you throw your back out or some other serious disease or sickness really affects your body. It, it becomes all-consuming. It, it, it captures your, your focus, you can't get work done, you can't take care of anyone else, and you know exactly what I mean. And, and that's just if it's, you're dealing with it. Now, if it's someone you love, you know, someone in your family, your child, your spouse, a family member, and, and they get the diagnosis, they get sick, or there's some accident and it causes some immediate crisis and, and suddenly your, your whole focus just shifts to, we gotta, we gotta take care of this person. We want them to get healthy, get better, right? Get well. I, personally, I mean, not that you and I even need, you don't need me to tell stories. I mean, the truth is, a couple of years we went through a pandemic where all we thought about was safety and security and people getting better and then those that we lost. But you know, all of us have had too many trips to the ER. I mean, especially if you have boys, but uh, we, two of our sons, when they were born, they spent at least a week in the NICU and you feel helpless. You can't do anything. You're just sitting there with, they got tubes attached to them or whatever and there's just not a lot you can do. I've had crisis moments when I've held people as they died or we thought they were dying and family members or a loved one is in desperation saying to me, I mean, I'm their pastor and they're saying, pray for them, help, do something. And how many times have you been in a spot where because of a sickness, a disease, a diagnosis, you're going, somebody help, do something. And please, I don't want to be insensitive because I know some of you, even as I'm saying this, it's, this is painful. This is immediately bringing, bringing your emotions right to the surface. For others of you, the, the diagnosis isn't so obvious. Maybe it's a chronic illness internally. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe, it, maybe it's in your mind. Maybe it's a mental illness. Maybe it's an emotional unhealth. But there's, there's things happening in you and on you that you can't do a lot about. And, and so here's the thing. You know, we, we've, we live in a time where it's almost miraculous what medicine and doctors and hospitals can do. And maybe some of you, you've experienced or you've seen miracles. People healed physically or people's lives radically changed. And yet, even after somebody has some miracle change because of medicine or a God-sized miracle, they get sick again, don't they? 
I mean, you, you've never seen someone get physically better who stayed permanently healthy. No, eventually we all succumb to age. Eventually, we, our bodies all wear down. I mean, as much as we don't want to admit it, as much as the celebrities might look great at 50 or even at 75, they look better than their age, but eventually, it gets all of us. No one's gonna live forever in this broken body. And, and so it's strange, right? It's weird. You could even ask it this way. Why is it that even though we've never met somebody who's beat age, beat the body breaking down and wearing down. No one's ever overcome disease and sickness to stay permanently healthy. No one's ever overcome, you know, the, the aging process. We still believe, this is how I want to ask it or say it. There's something in us that believes that sickness and disease, decay and corruption are foreign. Like they don't belong as natural as it is, we have this deep inner belief that it's not the way it should be. It's, it's unnatural. It's not supposed to be like this. Sickness seems like an enemy. It seems like a, a, something foreign that doesn't belong in our bodies. And when someone gets sick, we feel like they're being robbed. This isn't fair. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And, and when, when disease takes someone's life, and again, I'm, I'm going to be very sensitive because I know so many of you have dealt with this. But like when it happens, right, doesn't it feel wrong? Why is that? Because maybe it is an enemy. Maybe this isn't the way it was meant to be. I want to bring you to a story it's found in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible in the portion called Wisdom Literature. We're looking at the story of a man named Job. And it's a story of a guy who really had it all. I mean, he had the hashtag blessed life. He, he had a great family. He was wealthy. I mean, his businesses were prospering. And he had his physical health. I mean, he was just doing great. And then a very real enemy attacked him. I don't just mean like physically attacked him. I mean, the enemy of all of our souls, Satan himself, went before God and accused said to God that the only reason why Job was faithful to God is because of how great his life was. He was saying, basically, God, you put an umbrella over him, blessing him and protecting him. That's the only reason why he's faithful to you. You take that away and he will curse you. So God allows Satan to do that in, in, in a way that, frankly, it's hard to even understand why and how this story plays out. So Satan attacks Job, he destroys his businesses, all the people who work for him are tragically killed, all of his livestock are stolen or killed, his family is killed, except his wife. His wife says to him, are you kidding me? Would you just curse God and die? And after that, even after that, Job stays faithful to God. And so Satan goes back to God and the story picks up in Job chapter two, verse four. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan is 
going before God and saying, yeah, you could take everything else, but, but as long as he's physically healthy, he's still not gonna curse you. But man, you, you let him get physically sick and he'll turn on you. What you notice is this, that the enemy uses sickness and disease as a weapon to try to destroy Job's faith. In essence, he, he, he's making this argument that if that disease will produce doubt, that this sickness beat his body down and he'll turn his back on you and curse you. Sometimes, saying always, the enemy will try to use sickness, use disease to get us to doubt God, to question God. And so the enemy weaponizes it against Job. And so we're going to pick up right there in the story. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes, meaning he's, he's just desperate. He's just sitting there, his body, he's, he's like a shell of a man. The enemy has just devastated his body. And so it's this weird part of the story where you're like, does Satan cause sickness and disease? Well, he could, but he doesn't really have to. He just uses what's natural, meaning we live in a broken world where sickness and disease and horrible diagnoses come along. But they certainly can be used as a weapon of the enemy to discourage, to defeat, to rob us of our faith. But Job doesn't reject God. And then we kick into the rest of the story, which is this dialogue between Job's friends, who he refers to as miserable comforters, and Job. And basically they get into a, a, a debate, an argument, a, a discussion about where is God in this and what is God doing? They have, in essence, they have a theological conversation. But it's, again, it's more argument. And so I'm going to read a little bit of it to you. What do, what do his friends say? Well, this is their diagnosis of what's going on. One of them says, well, who being innocent has ever perished? In essence, Job, you're getting what you deserve. Can I, can I just say, there's a lot of things in this book that tell you what not to say when you're, when you're there with somebody who's sick, who's hurting, who feels like they're dying or in the process of dying. I mean, if you just had more faith, you'd get better. Man, if you just repent, everything would be okay. You're, I mean, you're getting what you deserve. I mean, all these lies. And that's what they say. Another one is this. Blessed is the one who God corrects. Meaning God is disciplining you. What, you're, you're sick because God's punishing you. Job, but Job gets it. See, his friends, these miserable comforters, they think that sickness is a direct result of sin. Sin, which is a rejection of God, it, we, anything that we do to turn our back on God, right? And, and every one of us already have inside of us a corruption from sin. I mean, we're all born with a sin nature. We all want to turn our back on God and do the wrong thing. So that's true of Job. And certainly sickness is a result of sin, but not because we sin, just because we live in a broken world and because sin has already corrupted us we don't live perfect with perfect bodies. We're not going to be ageless. But they're saying, Job, you sinned and you got sick. And that's not what God's saying. Job sees it differently. Job is hoping for something better than just 
you know, accusations. And so I'm going to jump in to kind of like the key verse in the whole book of Job. After Job listens to his friends and all of their arguments, he kind of says, you know what? No matter what happens to my body, I have a hope in something better. Let me, let me jump ahead. It's found in Job chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. Job says this, I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after, listen, this is the key. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. He, he's looking ahead and he's going, I know that no matter what happens to my physical body, my redeemer lives and in the end he will stay on the earth and I have a hope that even though everything goes wrong in my body, I am gonna look and I'm gonna see my healer. I'm gonna see my God. I'm yearning for something better than just a physical healing, something more than just getting better because I'm looking for my redeemer. I, I, I explain what that word means in last week's message, but this idea of somebody who takes the blow on our behalf, somebody who gets in the boxing ring and takes the punches and becomes our champion, a, a lawyer in court who vindicates us, who stands up for justice and fights for our liberty, a, 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 um, an avenger who defends us when we've experienced injustice. Job is saying, I'm looking for something more than just to get physically better. Here's the key. For you and I, when we think about health, you can, you can answer the question, what, you know, what do you need to do to get healthy or healthier? Can, can I challenge you to shift your thinking from this example of the life of Job and say, focus on wholeness more than health. Rather than focusing on how can I get healthier, it's how can I become whole. Now that, that sounds totally different, doesn't it? Because when you think about being whole, well, what can you do to become whole? Because that's got to include your thinking, your emotions, your physical body, and your spiritual being. The truth is we are not whole. We are, we are broken I already mentioned this idea of sin and what sin does, not because we sin, but because sin is living in us, we are corrupted. And because we live in a sinful world, meaning we live in a broken world, things are not as they should be. So Job is looking ahead and he's saying, but I believe this, I, be I know that my redeemer lives. My hope is not in just a doctor who can give me medication and I'll get better. It's not just in a surgery. It's not just in chemo. I'm not putting my hope or my confidence in a new eating regimen, a new exercise plan. Like that's not gonna be the fix. I know that my redeemer, the God who comes to my rescue, he will make all things right. In a similar fashion, right? So the book of Job written thousands of years before Jesus. There's another book similarly written in the Old Testament by a prophet named Isaiah, who is, who is again looking ahead 
to the promise of the Messiah, to the Redeemer, to Jesus. And he writes it this way as he's looking ahead. He's, he's making this point, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, where it reads, but he was pierced. So it's saying as if it already happened. But he was pierced for our transgressions, meaning our, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities, our willful our, our willingness to do the wrong things. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Let me be clear. Each of those statements are not about physical health. They're not even about mental health. They're about wholeness. Looking ahead to the Messiah, to Jesus, who would be pierced, because we've sinned, who would be crushed because we've done what was wrong. In order for us to experience peace with God, Jesus had to be destroyed, meaning he had to be cut off. And for us to be made healthy, healing, he had to be wounded. What's the story? It's Jesus stepping from heaven to earth, our redeemer who steps into the boxing ring and takes, he doesn't just become the champion by knocking out the enemy. He doesn't just knock out sickness. He doesn't just knock out disease. He doesn't just knock out death. He steps in and he takes the blow, the curse of sin, the, the disease of sin he takes on himself. And so when Jesus is dying on the cross, he is dying his wounds for our healing crushed for our iniquities. The, the punishment for our peace poured out on Jesus. And when he died, he died once for all. So anyone who believes in Jesus Christ by faith would be forgiven. Do you get the sense that this is something bigger than health? This is wholeness. See, Jesus died on the cross, not just that our bodies could be healthy, not just that we could overcome a disease or a sickness so that we could experience completeness, wholeness, so that everything broken in every aspect of our lives could be whole, spiritually whole, where we are spiritually broken. And so what, what can we do? Well, we believe that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and he rose from the dead victorious over sin, over death, and over eternal death. And so the beginning point, meaning you want wholeness, it begins through faith in Jesus. Can, can I challenge you and encourage you right now? Would you choose wholeness? Meaning rather than putting your energy into, I wanna get healthy, and that's a great desire. But if you're getting healthy, are you becoming whole? Are you whole? If you're not whole, God wants to make you whole. He wants to give you wholeness through faith in Jesus Christ. When he, as he forgives you of your sins, his spirit comes into your spirit and he transforms you. He, he removes shame and guilt. You can make that commitment. To a faith in Je through faith in Jesus Christ, you begin a relationship with God. And I, I just want to encourage you, would you make that decision right now? If you're saying yes to Jesus by faith, would you let us know? You can scan the QR code that's on the screen. If you're joining us online, you can, you can click on the link that's going to be in the comment section. We strongly encourage you to click this. Uh, and our Frederick campus pastor, Jay, is going to follow up with you. Our Hagerstown campus pastor, Spencer, is going to follow up with you. Online, we have pastors who are going to be following up with you. We want to connect with you and encourage you as you begin a, a, a new journey in relationship with God. Now, you've said yes to Jesus. 
God's spirit in your spirit. He forgives you of sin. He begins to change you and transform you. Here's what God does. As his spirit lives in your spirit, he begins to heal you. He begins to make you whole from the inside out where previously we were spiritually corrupted and that corruption infected and affects every part of us. It affects our body. It affects our thinking. It affects our emotions. The healing the wholeness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ begins to transform us from the inside out. Job, in his statement in, in Job chapter 19, verse 26, he said, after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. He goes, no matter what you do to my body, there is something whole that I can look forward to. I can still look to God. And so the key is this. I want to challenge you this. Wholeness means wellness. This idea of being well. That we, we, there's a really popular, famous Christian hymn. It is well with my soul. It is well, meaning it's not just that I feel healthy. It's not just that I overcame that cough or I, I beat COVID or overcame cancer. It's that I'm well. Can you say it is well with my soul? What, what Jesus did on the cross, when, when we think about wholeness, it's this idea of, is there well-being? How is your well-being? How is your mind? How are your emotions? How is your body? I want you to know that God desires for you to be whole, which means for you to be well. Jesus um, was walking through a crowd and, and a, a woman who had spent 12 years chronically sick, she had spent all the money she had on doctors. Some of you, you know that experience. You, you've, you've, ex you've, you've got yourself in a debt trying to pay for medication or pay for treatments or help a family member dealing with a, a serious sickness. The woman was desperate. And she reaches out and she touches Jesus and she's supernaturally, miraculously and instantly healed. Jesus stops as he's moving through the crowd and he says, someone touched me. His disciples said, well, Jesus, what are you talking about? You're in a crowd, everybody's touching you. He goes, no, 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 this one's different. And the woman who had touched him, seeing that Jesus knew what had happened, he, she turns and she says, she explains to Jesus what happened. And, and in Mark chapter five, verse 34, Jesus responds to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Let me give you a couple thoughts about this idea of wholeness equals wellness. Jesus' desire was certainly for this woman to be made well. When he says your faith has made you well, it's this idea of has made you whole. There's something more happening in this story than just her physical body being made well. In this moment, Jesus gives a woman who is an outcast dignity. Do you know that Jesus throughout his life, he identified with the sick, with the hurting, with the suffering, with the poor, with the rejected. Jesus gives dignity to those in disease in sickness. He, he touched the untouchables. 
He, when Jesus touched them, you know, and this, you're talking about an ancient time when people were afraid to touch because they knew it would corrupt them. And Jesus was not corrupted by sickness and disease. He corrupted corruption. When he touched the untouchable, they were made well, but not just healthy, well. Jesus gave this woman something more than just physical health. He gave her wellness. He gave her wholeness. He gave her spiritual forgiveness and restoration, and he gave her dignity. Do you know that when you're invited into someone's world who's suffering and sick, recognize that you're, being, you're invited into a sacred place where Jesus identifies with, their, with them in their sickness, in their suffering, and bring, give people dignity. Don't treat them with disrespect. Don't treat them as their disease. Treat people with dignity, with respect, like Jesus did. Job chapter 19, verse 27, he goes, I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. There's this hope. He's looking ahead. He goes, I believe that even if my physical body is decaying, I can be made well. I can be made whole, right? And, and so then if you jump to the end of the story where Job is physically healed and his wealth is restored to him, he, he, he is able to have a new family. You jump ahead to Job chapter 42. And it, it literally, this is the last, these are the last verses of the book of Job. And after this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. What? And so Job died an old man full of years. So it kind of has like this fairy tale ending, but at least this idea of like, man, everything is restored. He, He lives a long life. He still dies. I want you to hear this. This is important. I and we as the pastors have prayed with a lot of people for physical healing. I want you to know that God does heal. So he can heal. He does heal. And the reason we can be healed is because Jesus died on the cross, rose again, victorious over sin, over the curse of sin. He reverses the curse. And sickness and disease are attached to the curse of sin. And so when we believe in Jesus, absolutely, he can, he, he can heal people physically. He can heal. He does heal. Sometimes he doesn't heal. Why? Because we understand that physical healing is not the goal. Physical healing. If, if God wants to heal you physically, if he wants to heal somebody's mental illness, if he wants to heal emotional pain. He can do that. He does do that. He doesn't always do it. The reason why God will do those kind of miracles is to point us to the ultimate miracle of spiritual healing. It's it's like God is saying, I can do this. Watch. I'm doing that to show you that I can save your soul, that I can give you the promise of heaven. It's for people watching to go, wow, God is big enough to save my life. God is big enough to forgive me of my sins. Do you know the greatest miracle is a soul saved, is a life changed. 
Not just a physical body made well, right? Because the body will get sick again. Even somebody being raised from death to life is not the greatest miracle because they'll die again. The greatest miracle is somebody being supernaturally and spiritually raised to life, forgiven of sins, given new and forever life. And so the reason why God does heal is to point us to Jesus, to point us to a forever healing. Let let me bring you back in that story where the the woman um, touches Jesus, she's healed. Jesus' daughter, your faith has made you whole. And then he said this to her, go in peace, be freed from your suffering, not just your sickness. Here's the key, right? In your wholeness is perfect health. That's right. Perfect health. Remember, you go back to Isaiah 53 verse 5 where, he's, where it's looking ahead to the Messiah as if it already happened, as if he already suffered. And it said, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was put on him and by his wounds we were or we are healed. Now, let me be clear. That passage here, by his wounds we are healed, is not referring directly to physical healing. It's about wholeness. Saying it it required his wounds to make us well. But within that wellness includes physical healing. So I want to challenge you with this. When you believe in Jesus by faith, you're given wholeness. The goal is not get healthier. The goal is become whole. How does God want to make you whole? How does he want to make your mind whole? How does he want to make your emotions whole? How does he want to make your body whole? And and we're looking ahead to the ultimate healing on the other side of eternity. In eternity, there will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more sickness, no cancer, no COVID, no, none of the diseases and sicknesses that we've suffered with. But in this life, there is hope. You can join with Job and say, even if my body decays in my flesh, I will see God. I'm going to see the promises of God in my life. I have a hope in wholeness. But let me conclude with this challenge. We believe that ultimate healing is waiting for us on the other side of eternity. You will see your loved ones again. You will get through this sickness and disease even if it leads to death because on the other side of death is ultimate healing. But we believe that so long as you're here, whatever the diagnosis, whatever the sickness, whatever the disease, we believe God can heal, he does heal, and he wants to heal. So we go to him by faith and we just believe. We pray for miracles. Does he always do it? No. So we trust God. God, you know what's best. We're going to trust you to do what's best. But we're going to believe for a miracle. And in our church, we believe that God does miracles, that he wants to heal, that he does heal, and that he, he could heal today. Now, he heals to show off his power that he can save lives, that he can, he can give us life change. But whatever you're going through right now, would you, would you give it to God? We're going to believe this morning for mental illness to be healed. 
We're going to believe this morning for emotional sickness to be set free. We're going to believe that things that you've been carrying that are chronic sicknesses in your body can be healed. We're going to believe that that diagnosis that you just got, that you could be healed of. And, and some of you come in, you're carrying the heavy burdens of a loved one that's dealing with the sickness. We're believing that it can happen, it will happen, and we're going to pray for healing. Now we're also going to trust God and say, God, you know. No matter what, we trust you. But let's believe by faith. And so here's what I want to do. I want to just give a moment. I'm going to invite our campus pastors to come and they're going to lead us. They're going to invite you to respond. Maybe it's praying for each other. It's coming and asking for prayer, but let's believe together for a supernatural work of God. We believe in the miracle power of God. We believe that what God has done, he can do again. And so I'm just hoping that in this space, an attitude and atmosphere of faith would rise that God, you could do the impossible right now. Would you believe that? Would you join me? Our goal is wholeness, not just health. But let's believe for miracles within LifeHouse this morning. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.